0: This episode of 12-Pack Radio is brought to you by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone services chosen By you, your brother, your sister, your mother-in-law, and the U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over the Pac-12 country stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more. All for the fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day in the face. Visit nextiva.com slash 12 pack to get started. That's nextiva.com forward slash 12 pack.
1: Oh, South Kakeleke! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world famous two time champs and feel the power! It's a new game, yes it is! For 12 pack radio, get excited, y'all.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Bader rank College Football Statistical Model and your home for Pac-12 gambling advice with William Hills, Max Meyer. We're live, live from the next Diva Studios. Bow, bow, bow. Clothing optional, clothing optional. Uh, And this is the Sharp College Football Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we go through... Preseason projections already. We're going through the Pac-12 South. We did the North last week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, uh, please do so. You can find that um, on our podcast feed, and you can follow us on Twitter at Twelve Pack Radio. And I am joined, as always, by Mr. Rob Barron. What's going on, Rob?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm pumped to be here. Let's uh, let's let's talk some South. I uh, I've like I'm, I'm waiting on the schedule file from the folks that I buy the data from, you know, for the college football data, and then I will start the preview videos oh actually. snap like it- I, went, I went back through and i like started like prepping you know like the, the the production stuff that i do for that um and i just have i i gotta get the schedule file and then i will also load up to the website once i have that projected win totals um for all the teams in college football for next
0: season Dude, we are moving and grooving and it is february hell yeah um, so you're welcome America. And of course all that stuff at sharpcollegefootball.com where you can see all of Rob's numbers and on YouTube at sharp college football, that uh, YouTube channel as well. Rob, wh- one of the things that <laughs> I, I actually cut out of the last podcast was our excitement to cover the South. So we, we were like, right after we started recording, there was like, you know, a little bit of a, uh, of uh, commentary on our own. And sometimes I leave that in, you know, just as like a little Easter egg and then things got a little dark as we mentioned a couple other teams. So I decided to cut it, but I, I know that you're really pumped to go through the South this week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the South has, has really been <laughs> the, de- I mean, really since the beginning of the PAC 12, you could argue, right? Like the South has been a little bit of the, the downtrodden, uh, you know, division, but this season, like the, the the South projects to have a couple of pretty good teams in uh, it, and I'm I'm excited. Like I'm excited to talk about all the all the teams in the South coming. To, I mean, maybe a little less less so Arizona and a, a little less so Colorado, but you know, like the other four, I think are are legitimately have uh, aspirations to be top 25 teams in advanced stats next season.
0: It kind of reminds me of the Pac-12 basketball um, scenario a few years ago where. Previously, the the bottom of the Pac-12 was just a hot mess. It was just really, really bad. This is when Craig Robinson kind of felt like his program fell off the cliff, and Washington State under Ernie Kent, and like you know, uh, Stanford wasn't good, and UCLA was struggling, and I mean, just like. Basically, there's like three teams that were competing for a five seed, and and then all of a sudden, the conference that bottom started to re- really solidify um, for at least for a little bit. I think it's kind of fallen out a little bit more uh, recently, but um, but the fact that there there weren't as many cellar dwellers, basically, where now, now you had competitive teams with competitive squads that can go in and try to bite somebody on on the, the heel um, and, and really punch above their weight sometimes. And I, I hopefully that happens in the South this year. One, one of the things that we had received, Rob, before we get into the preseason projections from the South, from the Beta Rank model, was a question from somebody in the South. And this is uh, from Dwight in uh, SLC. And Dwight had asked us whether or not um, we could come back uh, at the end of the football season, and and basically do a review on how BetaRank um, did on the projections. I mean, we talked about the North, where like at least I mentioned, I kind of disagreed with a, a little bit of the projections on a couple of the teams. But there's also stuff that we've acknowledged that the model doesn't see, and um, and just kind of openly sorting through that and and what we saw and why and um, and why some of these projections uh, were spot on and and the ones that they aren't. Um, Rob, do you want to speak to that a little bit as we, uh, as we kind of head into these, these South projections here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, it, um, two years, I mean, I, I normally go back through and do a full comparison of how the projection model did for, you know, versus, you know, at the end of the year. So I, what I really like to look at are the projected wind totals that beta rank kicks out and the order of finish. Um, and, uh, you know, at the end of the 2019 season, I went in and did that for every Team in college football, you know, comparing the order of finish for every, um, you know, conference and division in college football. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, what I I didn't do it at the end of 2020 because it was it was a little bit of a mess comparatively with the number of games that actually ended up being played. Um, you know, who actually ended up you know not opting out and playing in. Uh, it was just kind of a messy year. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm happy if, if folks are really interested, hit me up on Twitter. I will try to put together that kind of comparison if I can if, honestly, like if I could find it, but uh, I mean, I, I, I will promise that at the end of this coming season, um, which should be a totally normal college football season, we will go through, I will absolutely go through like how it performed, if it did poorly, if it did well, because this is something like, I mean, I'm like, my, I hang my hat on the in season model. It's what I really, got into this to do, I guess you'd say the projection model is a little bit of sort of a necessary evil, uh, to handle the sort of, you know, cold start problem uh, of small, small sample size early in the season. The, but the projection model is also something that like, it, I don't just throw out junk. Like I, I do try to, to work on it, to improve it, to think through, you know, things that can be included or the way that the variables can be shaped, um, you know, changing model specifications that could help improve accuracy, uh, over time. Um, and so it, it is important to me that, it, you know, that it is, you know, keeping track and doing a good job. So, uh, I am more than happy to revisit that. We'll revisit that, um, you know, at the end of next season. Also it, it fits in nicely because there's always a space, you know, in between, uh, you know, where <laughs> we're, we're sometimes hunting for topics. So <laughs> we'll absolutely, you know, in, uh, you know, in January, early February of, uh, of next year, we'll come back and revisit how the projections went.
0: Yeah, Dwight, you just gave us twelve more episodes, and our friends at Nextiva, thank you for that, uh, giving us some more stuff <laughs> to cover in the off season, and uh, and shout out to your to your shout out to Ty Jordan too. I, I noticed that he had uh, Dwight had mentioned uh, him and just what he was able to do. So just always nice to see. Um, I just love that out of the Utah fans, just uh, really highlighting his uh, short legacy at Utah, but but an awesome one. So thanks for doing that, Dwight. Um, Rob. With that said let's get into these projections and we'll start at the top. We'll start at the top. And I think Dwight's going to be really happy because, uh, Oh, one more thing again, starting point, this is this is the beginning of the conversation. Obviously, um, the the model isn't going to see certain things, and we'll get into those as as we go through each of these teams. Um, but with that said, th- the number one team in the Pac-12 South, Rob, according to Beta Rank and the preseason projections, uh, are the Utah Utes at number sixteen, yeah. which which really shot out for me. It's almost always USC, um, just because the talent and and all of that stuff. So, uh, what what pushed Utah up to the top here?
1: I mean, the thing that stands out for Utah versus, I mean. It th- You could look across the South and in some ways, a lot of these, all these teams have their warts, right? Like we're not talking about any of these teams as being potentially, you know, like right off the bat saying like, oh yeah, they're definitely going to be a top 10 team coming into the year. That said, what really differentiates the youths from literally every other team in the South is their, their coaching and development ranking and beta rank. Utah does a lot with the talent that they bring in. Um, you know, and and what they bring back, they always tend to outperform that, um, and they do very well. They grade out at number 12 nationally in coaching and development. Um, so Utah takes players in, coaches them up, makes them better, um, puts them in scheme, um, and recruits to a scheme where they are going to be successful. Um, I mean, in particularly particularly on defense, and I, I think if you were going to look at you know the the two factors from 2020. Um, you know, there would be real positives coming into this year. It's their defense, you know, in 2020, which created out at 18, that's a tremendous job by Scali and that defensive staff, just everything that they lost to, to finish out at 18 is remarkable. Utah special teams, again, good grading out at 17, you know, and they're, they, they do return. I mean, almost everyone returns a lot of production. Utah has a lot coming back as well. Number nine overall, you know, 35 on offense, five on defense, Their recruiting has also been sneaking up. I mean, they're 26 overall in recruiting. Um, If you look at their two-year rolling average, you know they're ahead of you know UCLA (laughs) in their recruiting. Um, And that that I think when you look at then like that, if you were going to come back though and say, hold your horses. You know, like let's uh, let's not let's not get too high on Utah here. It's it's the offense which graded out at 65 last season. There are major questions I think on the offense coming into this next year.
0: Totally agree on that. But the fact that they had those two transfers, well, actually, really, it's four transfers. Um, I mean, we had just mentioned Ty Jordan and the loss that that he brought to that program, both emot- emotionally and also on the field. They went out and they picked up two really solid, uh, you know, high pedigree running backs from different programs and then they went out and picked up uh, two transfers out of texas one out of baylor and one out of uh, the university of texas um won uh, a dual threat quarterback and then brewer who i mean really ran the offense for baylor last year so i, I i'm excited to see what they're able to do with that I, i'm not expecting utah's offense to you know to be a top 25 offense or anything but you know I, like we've said often on this podcast rob we think Andy Ludwig is good, not great. Um, and, yeah. if, and if he can if he can field like a top 30, top 40-ish offense, when you pair that with the defense, uh, you have a more aggressive offense than what we've been used to in the past before Ludwig got there. Um, and, yep. and hopefully you have a defense that can really glue itself together even more after losing a ton this past year um, and just having to shorten season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a lot to like about this Utah team coming in this year. I mean, like, <clears throat> you know, Bentley's gone, I would not, I mean, that's going to be an improvement, I think, for them. Um, Brewer, you know, that Baylor offense stunk last year. That's not all on him. You know, Larry Fedora, it absolutely did not work out with him calling plays. But Brewer, he definitely has his limitations, um, you know, as a quarterback. That said, I mean, I think Ludwig, you know, like they they might have an opportunity. Like, I think a lot of it's going to key around the offensive line's returning a lot again. It was really, you know, they returned a lot off the prior year. This past year, it was a bit of a weakness two years ago, um, you know, and again, like not great this last year either. I mean, it, like I, I really do feel like at the, the ceiling for this Utah team is going to depend on their ability to run the football, take some of the pressure off the quarterback.
0: Yeah, yeah, and like you mentioned, the the line did have some holes and some issues um, it, this past year and the year before that. Uh, Jaquindon Jackson is the uh, the kid that came uh, from it. Kid, he's like twenty now. Um, came from Texas, dual threat quarterback. So you do have two different options back there uh, for Utah. It'd be interesting to see if they can put them together. And Jackson was a four star um, commit to the University of Texas. So um, it's it's not like I, I I trust these guys. I hope um, I think Brewer has the. Uh, the track record to be a competent quarterback. One of the issues that we had when we were taking a look back at uh, last year's transfers into Utah was all right. Was the guy from South Carolina really like which year was he? Was he twenty seventeen yeah. or twenty eighteen or whatever it was? Um, you know, In the
1: good or the bad Bentley.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and we didn't quite know uh, how how that was gonna uh, really fulfill itself um but now i i don't know it'll just be interesting to see we have a definitely a proven quarterback at utah and then somebody that can be a wild card and and maybe um is able to take the job we'll see i'm i'm assuming it's going to be brewer but um but that's what you know competitions are for but uh, anything else on utah here i mean i'm still i I am still surprised because we know what usc is um and we know usc uh, (laughs) what what it isn't (laughs) in terms of its coaching staff uh sometimes it's player development but um what what else kind of bumped them up here rob
1: No, I mean, I I think, I mean, a real thing is it's just that they're bringing so much back and I mean, really it's, I mean, we, we, we talked about this too. I mean, we were coming into this last year. I mean, what was our big knock on the Utes, right? It was that they didn't bring a lot back off of a team and you kind of felt like they'd been building towards, you know, really last year. And then they were a little early the year before um, in winning the South. I think this year, uh, you know, I think, you know, like the Utes are, where I don't think you can knock them with the lack of returning experience, particularly on defense. I like the, de- I think this defense has a real shot to be a top ten unit in college football next season. And I think that, but I also think that, like that, you know, the offense, you know, and, and I mean, in the special teams, like if you combine that, you're 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 talking about a, you know, like a, you know, the Utah that we've known for a while, right? And then it is just, it is really just a question of like where does the offense shake out, right? Like can the offense get into the like realm of like respectable power five offense being somewhere in the thirties, you know, that's a middle of the road, power five offense. But for the Utes, like that's probably enough to win the South. If you think about how much they're going to bring back on defense off a bunch of young guys that really did pretty well last season.
0: Dude, if they popped up into uh, first place again in the South, uh, that would be such a big boost for everybody in Salt Lake city because uh, I've been saying for a while, I thought um, that two years ago, that was their shot. And they didn't quite get it. They got blown out by Oregon. And I was like, oh, that sucks. It's going to take them three more years to, to cycle up. And, and if they can get back uh, a year or two before that, man, that, that's pretty that speaks highly of the direction that program is going. Uh, the second team here, Rob, I almost fell out of my chair. I'm not going to lie. So i gonna got a lot of explaining to do. Uh, that's UCLA at number 18. <laughs> what do we got here, Rob?
1: All right, everyone. I uh last season beta rank was pretty high and the incredibly small sample at weird season that was UCLA last year. So I'm like I, I you know, UCLA last season on offense, they really gelled uh offensively. They finished out at twenty in beta rank. Um and it's not that like you know, it's. I mean, people. I think people hear that and they think like, you know, Dorian Thompson-Robinson still wasn't great, and he wasn't. I mean, they were at 52 in effective pass and rank, Man, the Bruins could run yeah. the football. They were at number seven in effective rush, uh, in beta rank last season. Like they were, they were a really solid unit offensively, and that if they can keep around in that range, and they've got that, you know, uh uh transfer coming in from Michigan uh, a running back to that I you know I think is you know it's is probably going to get some of the start you know some of the carries some of the touches that maybe they gave to Felton last year I mean this UCLA squad offensively they also return a lot um, they're number two in returning production on offense they're number two overall in returning production you know and I in case you miss my shtick on returning production I don't use it in isolation. Um, it gets, it's brought in and only brought in, you know, in waiting with how good was that production that is returning. So it's not, I don't, one, I don't have, I don't assign arbitrary sample weights to these, these variables, right? Like the math assigns the weights, (laughs) but the, uh, you know, the returning production does matter. It's not uh, inconsequential. The other thing for UCLA that really bumps them up is, um, and bumped them up last year. There's two things. Number one uh, is their special teams, which were top ten. They were number nine in special teams last season. Their defense improved tremendously um, to number 48 overall in Bedrick. That's still not a great Power Five unit. That is, however, a huge improvement over where they've been the last couple of years. Um, and really, kudos to you know the uh, I think the guy I'm for, I'm forgetting his name. The guy they brought in from Navy. Um, you know, to help clean up a lot of their pass coverage last season. I mean, just, you know, UCLA is a team that has a lot coming back. If it wouldn't have been for turnovers last season, that record looks a lot different.
0: Yeah, you know, I, the one thing with them that uh, they, they lose, like, okay, so that defense you mentioned was, like, in the in the low 40s, uh, or, sorry, the high 40s to, so like, 49 or 48. Yep. I think one of the things there was it wasn't a great defense, but they could really pressure the quarterback, uh, I yep. thought they did such a good job being aggressive and what osa digazua did just to just to be a monster um down there with his uh <laughs> just Reagan having in the backfield that was great he's gone and, and oh the, it's a big loss that's huge yeah and and I'm just curious to see what that line looks like without him because it's not like chip Kelly's lit the world on fire with his recruiting um So, that, that, and like all that to say, like obviously the defense was significantly better. Um, and one player is one player. Um, so I don't want to put that much weight into him, but I'm just, I'm just curious to see what this defense looks like in a regular season, uh, still with Jerry Azanara there. (laughs) Like, is it as aggressive and as effective if Odigazua isn't there? And if more teams have tape and they're more prepared? With that said, I thought their defense was going to fall off a cliff even more and it didn't. So like, I mean, yep. it was amazing that what they were able to put together. I still um I still have a little bit of hesitancy there. Is is that uh, well-founded, Rob?
1: No, absolutely. I mean, I think this UCLA team, you hit on one of it, right, which is I you know, you have questions on whether if, you know, whether the defense can be relied upon. Odigazua, you know, performed incredibly well at his senior day uh, or at the at the senior bowl really stood out. I mean, he's a guy that, uh, you know, may have played himself into a late first round, you know, uh, you know, grade. So kudos to him really on on a great year. I think the other thing that you have to look at beyond the fact that the defense is still not going to be great is what happens if you can take away the run? You know, like what, what happens if, you know, what is, what does he feel? like do can Thompson Robinson mature enough to actually put the team on his back, right? like you know, and, and actually force, you know, force, force teams to respect his arm more Um, and can't, I mean, and truly can they get turnovers under control because it wasn't just last year. I mean, Thompson Robinson has slippery fingers, right? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) like they, they, you know, they, you know, they've had a turnover problem really for a couple of years at UCLA, you know, some of that is random, you know, it's their numbers seem to be a little persistent, um, so that, those are, I mean, that's my, that, that's my main thing. I mean, the, the offense was great in one dimension last season. Um, can they take another step forward? And I, I think if they're going to win the South, you really have to be talking about a team that, um, you know, the defense gets, I mean, across, I mean, with maybe the possible exception of special teams, but both the offense and the defense are probably going to have to improve a little bit.
0: Yeah, and the returning production, like you mentioned, was crazy. They're number two in the country on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah. But they do lose Odigazua, um, <laughs> which is a bummer. But they do bring in, and I love, like you mentioned, the, the running back from Michigan. Great name, Zach Shabaday. So he'll be yeah. uh, back in the, that backfield, and I'm sure he'll get a large load from the carry pool there. Um, let's get into our uh, third and fourth team, and let's do it right after this. All right, we're back. And USC fans, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. A little bit longer. (laughs) (laughs) Is <laughs> <Because> Rob <laughs> hey,
1: hey, making friends in LA?
0: <laughs> uh, coming in now. Now, to be fair, so um, and I'm glad you mentioned this, and, and to really highlight, like everything's relative, right? So, if you're first place in the South, that's 16th nationally, which is like, you know, you know, like, you know, like the, that middling uh, top 25. And then, like you mentioned, Rob, 18 is UCLA coming in at number 19 nationally and number three in the South uh, are the Arizona State Sun Devils, Rob.
1: Yeah, and this is an interesting one too. I mean, like UCLA, you know, other than Arizona is actually the worst in the in the Pac-12 uh south in coaching and development. Um and you know, really getting the most out of the you know the types of players that they're bringing in. Arizona State uh is second in development behind Utah in the south, but they're way behind. Mm. I mean, like Utah's at 12, Arizona State's at 69. I mean, nice, nice yeah. but like, you know, not good at all. Um you know what the Sun Devils bring bring this season, uh, you know, and are bringing back is they they bring back a defense that was that was about where we projected them last year. I mean, they they we projected them to be a top twenty five unit. They finished at twenty nine overall in a really weird limited sample. Of course, the special teams were again pretty good, twenty four. Um, the big thing for the Sun Devils is the offense took a huge step forward, um, finishing out overall at number you know thirty two in beta rank. Um, and there, this is all, I mean, all of a sudden Arizona state, speaking of teams that could all of a sudden run the football, Arizona state finished out at number five in effective rush. Their offensive line was a big question for me coming into the season. They were really going to rely on some transfers and some guys that hadn't necessarily, I think been great elsewhere, man, those guys really came through for them. Um, and they returned a lot on that offensive line. The, the, the thing, and I'll, you know, I, I think, you know, if you watched some Arizona state. You, you got to see it. I mean, the passing game really struggled. They were at 87 overall in effect pass and beta rank. Um, but again, a little bit of a weird year. We, we saw this. We didn't see it. I don't feel like we saw nearly enough of the sun devils um, to, to draw a lot of conclusions, but 11 overall in returning production, um, you know, 15 in returning production on offense, 24 on defense, their recruiting, again, has perked up a little bit. I mean, last year, I mean, so their, their two-year rolling average is getting carried a little bit by the prior year, but 20 overall in that rolling average. So I think there's a lot to like about Arizona State coming back. They mostly kept the coaching staff intact. Um, new offensive line coach coming on, but you know Marvin Lewis did not get Picked up by anyone, he's going to be back likely as the defensive coordinator. Zach Hill is going to have some continuity as the offensive coordinator there. So we'll see. This could this could work. They're they're an interesting pick, but like we talked about with UCLA, like what happen? I mean, what happens if you can shut you know line up and shut down the run? If teams bring down safeties, can Daniels burn you? Is a, is a question,
0: right? Yeah, and I I think I put more weight into him this year. I, I really do think that that. that total uh, at beta rank for the, the passing offense was really weighted down by that first game. Because if you watch that LA game, um, when they were at USC, I'm like, "Oh no, oh, this is awful." I did think he played a little bit better after that, and it wasn't like there was a huge sample size. Uh, but, but you're right. I think that's the area. If you're an ASU fan, Ken Daniels really put it together consistently, not just during big plays, but also uh, throughout the game, just to keep moving the the sticks forward and um hitting and hitting big plays when he needs to, but really just trying to to avoid turnovers and, and get the ball down the field uh, accurately. And uh, you know, I I. I'm excited to see him as junior year. I'm excited to see him in a full year um, when this team is prepared and not racked by COVID. if you recall the whole staff basically got it, I'm sure a lot of the team did. Um, And so just seeing the, the Sun Devils put things together um, would be, uh, would be really fun. The one thing too, like you mentioned the defense and you called this last year that you said that this is going to be a a defensive unit. That'll be really solid. The PAC 12 and they were. Um, And it's, you know, like the, there are four-star players. I'm curious to see how that that player development moves up, um, because I was pretty impressed by what they were able to do by the end of the year, and they did have some some higher level players on there. But they also had a lot of like you know those three-star players that they just needed to coach up, and it seemed like they were able to do that. Um, so so I'm just curious to see how they how they all grade out at the end of the year. But I really did like we were really nervous about what that defense was Lewis hadn't called plays for a while. Um, you had Antonio yep. Pierce who was a high school coach like two years ago, basically. Uh, and they did a great job.
1: Yeah. I, I think in particular, I think you have to call it. I mean, I I think the, the the story of the Sun Devils last season, of course, and you know, I mean, it's, it's also, I mean, like we end up grading that game. against. I mean, Arizona basically quit. <laughs> <that game. laughs> yes. I mean, like, you know, like how do you grade that game? Right. Um, but that's, I mean, that like, whereas, you know, I, I I think with ASU, like, I I mean, I, I'm excited to see them in a full season. I think, I thought we saw flashes of, you know, some real competence in, you know, on on defense, uh, you know, and I thought Lewis did a really good job. Um, in particular, I thought their pass defense improved. They graded out overall at number 19 in beta rank, you know, again, like super small sample, like we got to see a lot more of the sun devils, but I mean, then you flip it around and the offensive line really gelling, being able to effectively run the football pretty well. I mean, those are, those are good. I mean, like, I don't want to take away, like, you just say like, oh, like Daniels didn't, didn't impress me again, you know, so like write him off. Like that is not in any way the case because every, a quarterback's best friend is play action. So if, if you can run the ball, effect, I mean, even if you can't run the ball effectively, like play action usually works a little bit. Um, if you can run the ball effectively, then play action uh, is a really big weapon. And I, and I think for ASU, like if, if they can run the ball effectively, that's going to set up Daniels for success. Also, I mean, we talked about this. I mean, last year they were, you know, you know, the, after they you know, were replacing yet another first round wide receiver. Um, you know, this year they're, you know, those young guys that they recruited two years ago really should be blossoming and, 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 you know, taking, uh, a lot of the first team reps like so they should be loaded with a wide receiver um you know so i mean with those four stars that they recruited two years ago to to be able to come in and and uh, i think take charge
0: yeah it'll be interesting if they're able to um really hyper charge that offense and um and kind of push them to where they need to do like because again they're only like five or four or five spots behind utah when it, it Comes of the beta rank projection, so it's like those those top three teams are pretty close together, um, and so is USC, which comes in at number four. They are nationally number twenty-four, Rob, and uh, and they're also really close. So we have three teams. I'm sorry, four teams in the Pac-12 South that yeah. you know on paper are in the top twenty-five to start the season.
1: Yeah, and all of these teams are in. Str- I mean, like this is a, a really a four-team race. uh I look at it as you know, and, and Colorado is certainly good enough to to knock somebody off. Um, you know, you know, uh, along the way too. I mean, I, I I think for this, you know, this this race in particular, like USC sitting there at four in the Beta Rank projection, they're almost like a wild card, right? Because I mean, they were a little disappointing last season on offense. Um, you know, they they grade out at 26 overall and Beta Rank offensively. That's a fall off from where they were the year before. Again, weird year, you know, but. You know, they, they did improve on defense with Orlando. I mean, getting up to 36, that's not great, but you're kind of hoping that, you know, with what they had, that they can really, really maybe, you know, continue to take another step forward with Orlando as the play caller, get into being a top 25 defense. They've certainly had that talent. The special teams are pretty good at 22 overall. I mean, there's that, that's a, a real call out to Sean Snyder, their special teams coach that they hired from Kansas state. Um, But, you know, USC, I've got them in 93 in beta rank uh, in coaching and development. I mean, they really are just not getting the most out of their players. That's been true for most of the Clay Helton era, Um, you know, and then unlike, you know, most everybody else in the South, they're just not returning a lot. Right. Like they've got their 65 overall in returning production, 69 on offense, 72 on defense. I mean, USC actually has some losses, you know, personnel losses. Um, still the best recruiting team in the South. They really did bounce back a bit this year from where they had been the prior year. It's really their in their two-year rolling average that we use for the recruiting. Um, you know, they are, they're at number 15 overall. They're really getting held down a little bit by their really bad years by USC standards that they had two years ago.
0: Oh, that was awful, too. I, I think it's a lot of people thought he was getting fired, and so it just got really rough for a while. Um, I think the the best recruit they brought in was like a four-star wide receiver, um, and uh, I think it was Gary Bryant. So, uh, yeah, really... Perplexing to see how that happened um, at USC. Then they found their bag man, and now now they're back in, uh, back in. <laughs> they got they
1: got Dante Williams and the bag man were back. <laughs>
0: you know, it, man, uh, they are back to where they need to be. One one of the things that, uh, and you mentioned this a little bit. I'd like you to expand on it, but I just just a a number twenty six offense, given the quarterback and given the wide receivers at the time, that I mean that's just like unacceptable, right? With <laughs> with the talent that they have. I mean, their, their offensive line was kind of a mess and I understand that, but they're USC, like it shouldn't be a mess.
1: I mean, there's if you want, if you listen to like the, uh, the scheme show that we had going, uh, parts of last season, check out the one that they did on the USC offense, because it really did feel like that they were struggling to kind of get the right personnel on the field at times, um, for what they had. And they also, we talked about this coming in; They weren't as deep at wide receivers. You really wanted them to be last year. Right. Um, I think that's mostly solved this season. Like, I think they've got enough depth. I mean, like they've got, key, like you're sitting there looking at their, their depth chart with Katie Nixon transferring in, and you're like, dude, uh, you know, if, if they play, you know, I'm on Ross St. Brown in the slot again, like how do you get Nixon on the field? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as bad as it has been, but like last year, I mean, I, I think they struggled. They're definitely times Slova struggled you know, both against Arizona state against Arizona. I mean, there were definitely some times like I, I, I didn't think that they really had it put together and I thought Harold looked a little baffled at times and they really still, I mean, this is, this is a hundred percent true too. And they replaced their offensive line coach, something that we on this, on this show have been calling for for a while. They greeted out at 104 in an effective rush people, act as if that's like the play calling like USC calls a lot of runs. They just aren't good at running the football and that's, you can have an air raid passing attack and still run the football pretty well. You know, in USC certainly has the personnel to do it. They just haven't had very good coaching on the offensive line. The guy they're bringing in is not like some big nine, a big name offensive line coach. though. he's a guy that Harold's worked with before comes up in the air raid system. So I'm interested to see this. My guess is it's a, it's better how much better, you know, we're really going to see. But like they, I I think if they were able to take some of the pressure um, really off of Slovis with being able to run the ball more effectively and like really some of the best offenses you see in college football right now are often combining air raid concepts with like power run, right? Like Oklahoma runs a lot of that. Um, So I'd like to, I'd like to see USC like mix it up a little bit, get more sophisticated, but I think a lot of it's going to start with being able to run the ball effectively.
0: Yeah, the departing production too. Just uh, shifting over to the other side of the chart here, which you can find at sharpcollegefootball. dot com. Uh, man, uh, it, it's bizarre because it's like you, you look down the uh, look down the rankings, and it's like number nine, number two, number eleven, and then USC's sixty five, <laughs> like number yeah. two, number 15, 69. So they're just not, um, you know, the the production. Uh, that is returning is just not at the same level as the the rest of the teams in the conference. Uh, they do bring in an interesting running back in Keontae Ingram from Texas, who got bumped by uh, uh, by Robinson over there. So it'd be interesting to see if he gets a lot of the carries. But man, they really do have to improve that run. We've been knocking on that for a couple of years now, and it's just been fascinating to see, um, particularly given the history of the program. And and, and I'm not one of the, these people that are like, like this is what we've always done. Um, it's more just, man, pl- can you please be, be a little bit better at that? That would be nice nice because yeah. I think it's going to be really helpful for the program uh, in general. Okay. We have two more teams, Rob. Let's get to them right after this. All right, we're back and coming in at number 46, fifth in the PAC 12 South uh, are the Colorado Buffalo, Rob. My goodness, 46. That's a pretty big jump for Carderell's first year here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of color, like if you're looking at the win totals, you're like, wait a minute, Colorado, like their record was better than that last year. They did benefit from a little bit of turnover luck on their record Used, I think we saw some of that in the bowl game, right? <laughs> but they finished it. Like I mean, like they were projected last year, you know, kind of a, a kind of around in the same area that we had Arizona and UCLA projected, which was in the 70s. Colorado finished last year in the 50s in Beta Rank, as I recall. Um, but this year, like there's there's some big improvements that they made. Um, and they're, they're knocking like at 46, like you are kind of a middle of the road power five program that may not be where you want to be as a Colorado fan, but it, it's an improvement, um, you know, over where, you know, they were, uh, at the end of the McIntyre years and even in Mel Tucker's first year, um, you know, so their offense finishes out at number 52, their defense finishes out at number 50. That's a, that's a sizable improvement for that defense. Um, special teams kind of, you know, right in that same range too, at 65, They're not great at coaching and development. Number 76 did you have a lot coming back? Number 14 overall in returning production, 16 on offense, 27 on defense. Recruiting is, is really towards the bottom of the conference, right? I mean, they're at number 54 overall in recruiting, you know, that, but I think if, if you're a Colorado fan, I actually like. I was a little surprised when they moved on from their defensive coordinator, Tyson Summers, the guy that they're bringing in though, who had been their defensive line coach, he hasn't called plays in a while. That said, like when he was at Mississippi state, um, you know, as the play caller, he was actually really good a couple of years back. Um, and, and really, I think should have had a shot um, at, at calling plays again. Um, so Chris Wilson, I, I'm just excited. Like I, I think this could work for them, you know, defensively. Um, they really did take a step forward in their past defense in particular last year. Uh, I think if you're looking at this Colorado team, you know, and you're, maybe you're carrying some, you know, if you're looking to carry some questions into this year about like, you know, what, what are the good things? Like, I think the defense, you know, has a shot to improve potentially again. Um, It just really all revolves around where this offense could be for me. They finished at 52 last year. um, Really, really struggled to throw the football finishing at 78 an effective pass.
0: But it was a fun 78. It was. I mean. <laughs> with, with many hurdles and a, and just a full shoulders into a defending linebackers. Uh, one of the things, too, is they brought in T.J. Shrout from Tennessee – who will likely challenge a little bit there. I kind of wish they had brought somebody else in um, just because they really do need to hyperdrive that that offense. I thought the run was interesting. Broussard was super fun to watch. Um, so good, in fact, that uh, one of the two guys, and I, I forget which one, we'll get to this when we do our transfers, um, but the two guys that we really liked, Magnum and um, and the other kid, uh, one of them left, and I was like, oh, like yeah. I, I really thought that they were going to be um, the ones, and then Broussard came in and just blew the doors off of uh, uh, on the ground, which was exciting. So, yeah, that's the one area. Like, I really hope that they can recruit. Now, they did get that freshman um, this past year, that true freshman quarterback. That was one of the more um, highly recruited players that had gone to Boulder for a while at the quarterback position. So it'd be interesting to see um, if he sees the field. So it should be an interesting quarterback competition uh, back there. And yes, yes, everybody, you won't have to hear us and every other Pac-12 podcast. Call Sam Neuer a former safety. Uh, I know that drives you guys crazy. So <laughs> I, I promise yeah. I solemnly swear that I will not bring that up next year, um, regardless who the quarterback is. Um, Rob, on the on the defensive front, uh, the, the secondary actually wasn't as bad. That was the one area we thought was yeah, going to be they really improved. Yeah, I thought that was going to suck for them, and they ended up really stepping up, which is a credit to that defensive staff. Um, I don't know, like
1: <sighs> some of that though with Colorado is like I, I just kind of worry about the sample size and who they played. Yeah, know? like I'd, you know, like they you know getting you know, UCLA, which was pretty good at running the ball, not very good at throwing the ball, getting a Fresno state team. that I think is still really figuring it out, uh, you know, offensively. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm I mean, really San interested state, right? San Diego state. Oh, sorry. San Diego state. Yes. I, I mean, a San Diego state team that is, I mean, figuring it out, may not ever figure it out off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically like Rocky long got chased out of town because he refused to modernize the offense i'm i I'm, I'm really interested in this you know what's, what does this colorado team look like under year two of carl Durrell? because honestly year one wasn't bad um and i thought it had the i thought there were some certainly some things about it you know like that could have could have been really bad i thought they had some turnover luck but hey you know like coming into this year with that experience under your belt i think you know with a maybe an upgraded defensive coordinator and um you know they you know they may not sneak up on i mean they're within like Colorado is absolutely within the range here. You know, they they, they could take down, you know, it's not going to be a huge spread. You know, if they're playing in Boulder, it's not going to be a huge spread, um, you know, for any of the teams ahead of them in the South.
0: Now, it'll be interesting to see if they can bump up that recruiting, too, because that's a beautiful campus and a great city. Um I just know, I mean, like Colorado's in a, a giant state, but man, if you can get somebody to that campus, like I can understand why you can get somebody to commit because it is, it is beautiful and it's got a lot going for it. Um, and, and I love the downtown area too there in Boulder. Really fun. Uh, shout out to our friends at the free ball and podcast. Um, sl- serving up sl- you know sloppy beverages for everybody there. Anything else in Colorado, Rob?
1: No, I mean, it's, I mean, but, but don't you feel like mean, with this Colorado team for next year? I mean, like I think the defense could take a step forward, maybe, like I mean I mean this like maybe end up in like the high 30s which is good um from where they've been let's
0: calm it down. just feels let's, like let's calm down
1: I, I mean, mean <laughs> it just feels like I mean I mean but it just all feels like it's going to depend on the quarterback competition and where Verini is in like a full season of play calling like I just I still want to see it with him
0: Yeah there there was stuff that he did where I'm like okay all right I, I see yeah. it but that that kind of happened in the first stint that he had. And then the team's kind of caught up to him a little bit, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, like, right. One of the things that if you're able to learn from your mistakes, um, you can much better. Uh, because you can kind of look back and say, "Okay, here are the things that I can fix," and then you fix them. So I really hope he does. I know we've been dumping on him for about two years now, so you know, I know. Uh, really would like to see him uh, just jump up and and get Colorado uh, grooving. But I did think, for the most part, their their offense and their defense looked pretty good. So um, yeah, I mean, could they could could the defense get to the thirties? Eh, you know, maybe we'll see. Uh, if, if they even get to the forties and stick there, um,
1: right? That's if, good. That's still yeah. improvement.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, well, Rob. Let's get to our our weekly, um, our weekly tradition of talking about Arizona last because they just constantly <laughs> are always lagging. Um, coming in, Rob, and it is a big dip between uh, between everybody, right? So, like, Colorado came oh, yeah. in number forty six nationally. Uh, Arizona comes in last in the Pac twelve South, I believe, last in the Pac twelve, um, and they come in at number ninety four nationally, which is just atrocious for a power uh, power conference.
1: I mean, Arizona is really starting from complete scratch, right? I mean, I mean, Gennell transfers to Memphis. Um, You know, they do have two QBs transferring in, Um, you know, Cruz from uh, Washington State, McLeod from South Florida. Um, Totally new coaching staff. You know, know, Jed Fish is going to be your offensive play caller. Uh, you know, Don Brown is going to be your defensive play caller. I will. I mean, I will say, like, if there is. I don't think there's a lot of optimism for this year. But I know a lot of people around college football thought the staff moves were pretty smart. I don't know. I mean, like, there. In some ways, there's almost nowhere to go but up in this range for a Power Five program. But. I mean, they, the offense totally fell off last season. The offensive line utterly collapsed. They finished at 101 offensively. Um, that was a huge fall from where they had been uh, in prior years. The defense, again, took a step back, you know, finishing at 92. Um, you know, you and I, I mean, like they were walk, I mean, a, a constant problem for both the Rich Rod years and the someone years at Arizona has been like just, playing walk like Arizona, like playing walk-ons, the kind of people that walk on in Arizona are like guys that are probably like FCS level football. And like when Arizona is playing walk-ons, like things are going really bad. Um, so a lot of walk-ons, particularly a linebacker saw the field. And even, I know by the time they got to the Arizona state game, they were cobbling together a secondary and they, you know, on defense, really the, the best player, you know, Roy Lopez off to the NFL, um, you know, special teams, some small improvement, but you know, like you know, at 63, still not, you're not great for a Power Five program. They also, because of the amount of transfers that they had, you know, they they don't grade out really highly in you know returning production. They're at 43 overall. Now the transfers do take, like Arizona had a lot of transfers out. They also have a lot of transfers in, um, and the returning production does try to take that into account that that Connolly puts together that I use. So forty-three in returning production overall, fifty-one on offense, forty-three on defense. Um, they are one of the worst recruiting teams in the conference, sixty-four overall on their two year, you know, rolling recruiting average. In the,
0: in the world, Rob, let's be let's be frank. Yeah, it, I mean, like really
1: I mean, just for power five programs. That's where they're, they're one of the worst recruiting power five programs in the country. Um, and they are the coaching and development has also been I mean, Arizona has to excel at coaching and development, and they're at one thirteen. Um, you know, one of the worst programs in the country at, at really, you know, like producing, you know, producing on the field with the, with the players that they've recruited. So, I mean, the someone era, the era, the bottom utterly fell out last season. I um, mean, he got, I mean, like got fired in the, <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic by not by, and not by like some, like, I mean, Arizona doesn't like, if you actually go through like by the amount of revenue that, you know, Arizona is not doing terribly with the size of their athletic department within the power five, um, but still like, not like a money bags department like Texas or something like that. And Arizona found the money to, to fire Kevin someone. I
0: mean, like they kind of had, they kind of had to, right? Like oh, yeah. after that, that game, I mean, like when your team gives up to your rival uh, and just yeah. like, anyway, it, it is what it is. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. We'll cover Jed Fish and, and the staff that he's putting together. It seems pretty interesting. And he has brought some sort of identity to the program, I can't put my finger on it right now. I mean, he is reaching back into the past. It's always interesting. Arizona had like three good years at football and, and, like the five Arizona football fans always point back to that era as, like, oh, bring all these people back. Like, well, you know, <laughs> we don't, we could, we could expand the pool maybe a little bit, fellas. Uh, but I think Fish has done a good job of, of walking the line there. He's brought back a couple people from that desert swarm era that have coaching experience and, um, and hasn't put them in the big, you know, offices yet, right? He's kind of, you have know, Ricky Hunley, I think, doing defensive line and, and Cecil and, uh, Teddy Brusky is a, special advisor whatever that means you know like so yeah. he's, he's doing what he needs to do to get people excited while making his own hires um based on merit and that's great because if the if the alums end up you know overperforming or outperforming you, you have them there and you can give them an opportunity to to move up the ranks um but what he didn't do was make a bunch of splashy hires for people in tucson um that maybe haven't quite got to the level of of calling plays or running you know a whole side of the offense or defense and stuff so that's great i thought that was interesting um and i really liked how he handled it uh, what do you think
1: i mean really i mean I, I i think if you looked at the and i would try to be one of the measured voices amongst some like there was there was probably like a week of some really bad backlash <laughs> to the, within their family for base. like
0: chuck cecil to be the the coach it's yeah, like I stupid know. stuff it's like my guys
1: yeah i mean like don't like i mean like it, like a lot of schools, like you can get fixated on the alumni. Sometimes the alumni really is the right guy. I mean, I think Jonathan Smith really was the right guy in the right place to help get Oregon State, you know, mostly right on, on back on the right track, taking out of the hole for Gary Anderson. But the, the alumni is not always the right guy, right? Like you can't just limit yourself to that pool. And I think for Arizona, you know, Fish has been, um, you know, he he was a, you know, if, if you I mean, really too. I mean, like he should be an upgrade as a schemer and play caller over Mazzoni. Don Brown should be an upgrade over what they were doing with Paul Rhodes. Um, You know, I mean, Rhodes certainly landed on his feet as far as like becoming an analyst. Like he's, he's, he's here in Columbus now. He got hired at Ohio state, but like, I, I would still expect Brown to be an upgrade even as much as Michigan fell off last year. I mean, I think he's a, he's a better play caller than, you know, Rhodes. So I'm, You know, there's if you look at the staff on it's on paper, there's some stuff that you like, but I don't think that when you go down this roster right now that you should have any kind of expectations that this Arizona program is going to do maybe anything other than like maybe win one Pac-12 game. And I would not you like I can't tell you which one but they, in one game they, they might end up like plus three on turnovers and knock somebody off. But like, it's not like, that's, that's it. I mean, like, there's just they're, like, they're, they are the pac 12 is still likely to be, you know, other than like, I mean, the ACC is often really bad, but at least has Clemson up top and North Carolina certainly improving. Um, you know, the, you know, the pack 12, is still likely to be a you know kind of like an ACC but without a power um, you know in it. The you know Arizona is 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 far back over like we talked about a lot of these teams in the South. You know Colorado's even taken a step forward. You know Utah has been consistently building towards where they're at. UCLA took a big step forward. Arizona State's really improved under Edwards. Um, you know, in USC, you know, like they're they're kind of hanging around, I guess. You know, they with USC, you can always say like, you know, they have the potential. Arizona's just took a massive step back under someone and is really starting over again under a conference that, that has gotten even a little better than when someone took over.
0: USC reminds me. I don't know if you saw Thor. Did you ever see Thor Ragnarok? Yeah. Like the 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 blue rock guy, like the gladiator. They were like, hey man how's it going? He's like, he's clearly yeah. has something going for him, but like, just doesn't have, Hey, Hey, what's up, man? Like just, just hanging around uh, playing video games, you know, at Thor's house and, and the Avengers and stuff. Like, I just, uh, like, he, I just wish USC had a little bit more of a bite to it. And, and again, like Clay Helton has started, he's been trying to make those moves and hopefully he's able to um, uh, continue that and just get that ball rolling there um, in Southern California. But um, it is what it is at this point. Rob, I think that's I think that's it. Anything else here in the Pac-12
1: South? No, I mean this should be fun. I mean, like this should be it. Could be a total bloodbath. One of these teams can emerge as a real powerhouse and just shut everybody out. But I mean, really, like it's exciting to be coming in to you know 2021 and be saying, you know, there are you know, and Colorado is not in the realm where like if these other teams kind of fell a little short of their projections and Colorado really beat theirs. You know, and let's say they got a real quarterback come in. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, it, there's, but there's definitely four teams that are, you know, going to be, you know, like within striking distance of each other in all likelihood. That's a lot of fun. That's exciting. And those four teams, too, are not going to be pushovers when they play anybody in the North, which is, which is also a positive, I think.
0: Yeah. Worst case scenario is you have a Pac 12 South that beats up on each other and then loses to the North, but the North, you know champion has like two or three losses because the south and the north i mean like that's what's gonna happen i mean it's not even a worst case scenario <laughs> it probably is where the fact 12 is uh is slated yeah. for in 2021 but uh it will be really fun to watch the conference itself and, and have real games and real people in the stands and all that stuff so um right on man okay cool well hey if you are still listening um we could use some recommendations. So if there is uh, something that you want us to cover a topic uh, like Dwight did, we would be happy to entertain it. I'm not going to promise you that we're going to absolutely do it, but um, we're looking for some content here. I I also have lots of stuff. And so it's not like we're without um, subjects, but, um, always nice to hear from you guys. So if there's something that you want us to connect with or talk about, we are happy to do that. You can send it to myself at 12-pack radio, um, or you can email us at 12-pack radio at uh, gmail.com. That's one, two, P-A-C radio at gmail.com. And Rob, where can the fine people find you?
1: Uh, you can find me at beta rank FB underscore FB, or you can also find me at Sharp College Football on Twitter.
0: There we go. All right, guys. Well, thank you for uh, tuning in, and we will catch everybody next week.